Well, good morning, church. I want to thank you for joining us here, uh, not only in this building, but online. And this morning, my name is Pastor Mark. Uh, I'm the young adults pastor, and I am so thankful that you're joining with us as we dive into a topic um, that I was given uh, weeks ago. And I, and I can't help but think in light of all that's going on that God has designated this topic for this morning in light of what has happened the last night and in this last week. And in light of all that we've been going on and going through in these last few months. To be honest, uh, my topic was changed a few weeks back. Uh, Jim was going to teach on something else and, and kind of he plans these in advance. He plans these years in advance. I actually, when I first came to Calvary Church uh, in July, I was given the topics then. And a few weeks ago, God de- designated and ordained that the topic would be changed for this morning. And I think rightfully so. Because if it was up to me, I probably would not have chosen this topic in light of even what was happening, but even coming up into these weeks, I wouldn't have chosen this topic. But God has given us the topic this morning of gentleness. And as I think through gentleness and what it means to be gentle, it's, it's interesting because I don't know about you, but I rarely think about what it means to be gentle. It's not one of those things that you read about in the Bible and you think, all right, yes, like I'm going to preach a sermon on what it means to be gentle. It's just not a topic that comes up very often and it's not one that we really think of as maybe even important at times. And so this morning... God has given us this topic, and if you remember last week, Pastor Jim spoke about obedience, and this week I'll be speaking on what it is to be gentle, and next week, Pastor Tom will be back with us speaking on peacefulness. But this morning, as Titus has reminded us in chapter 3, I want to bring us back to the Word to kind of see where this jumping off point has come from. It's chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says this. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, as we talked about last week, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle towards everyone. And I don't know about you, but I feel like this week especially, This is a poignant topic for what we're walking through as a nation and with this pandemic, but even more so is what we're walking through in these last few weeks. And I was thinking about this as I was thinking through the topic of gentleness. And if you're anything like me, um, this topic I've been thinking on and praying on has been tested in my home. As I think about what it is to be gentle while I've been in quarantine and close quarters with my family, I had a lot of convicting moments that came out, even as I spoke with my children. Um, hey, kids, can you, can you clean up your dish off the, off the table? Hey, hey guys, I, I, you walked away from the table. I don't know if you can clean off your dish and, and bring it to the sink and put it in the sink. Hey, it seems like you're ignoring me, um, but if you could bring that dish and bring it to the sink and put it in the sink, that would be great. Hey, is anybody listening to me right now? I would love it if you would bring... And we start to do a little bit of the opposite of what it is to be gentle, right? 
If you've been in a situation, I mean, if, you're, if you have a pulse, you've probably been in a situation over these last few months where harshness has become you and where maybe anger has overtaken you and you've left gentleness to the side because you figured it would be easier to be harsh and to be direct and to be loud than to be gentle and tender and kind. And I think that's the tendency at times of this world. And I don't think we as believers or Christians are any uh, exclusion to that. Because as we think about what it is to be gentle, just if you look up the word gentle and you think about what is this topic, what does gentle even mean? It's simply having or showing a mind, uh, a mild, kind, or tender temperament or character. And if you're anything like me, the first thing that came to mind was, man, that sounds weak. Mild, tender, kind, temper, tender. I mean, so if we're talking about gentle, I mean, how does that reflect who I am? That that feels kind of weak. But then I was reminded very quickly that that's kind of what I've brought to the topic. That's my own sin reading into the topic. That's my own skepticism. Because as I think about Christ, as I think about what it is to be gentle, I I think about somebody who was kind, somebody who was tenderhearted, somebody who was loving and gentle. And I think that the world kind of speaks something into this and they say, well, no, that's a, you know, maybe even stereotypically, well, that's that's a feminine trait. And I mean, so if I'm a man, like, how can I be gentle? I I have to be assertive. I have to be dominant. But again, I think that's the, the sinful world speaking into a topic that God has said, no, this is my heart. And so as we address this this morning, I want us to be reminded to be gentle, to be good, encouraging, peaceable, considerate, That's who Christ was. He was gentle. He bore with our sins. He saw us for who we were in the midst of our sin and said, I want to gently call you to myself. And so I think as we we go about this morning, I want us to be reminded that Jesus was not passive. He was not fake. He was not weak. He was not a coward. But he was gentle. And in the midst of his gentleness, I believe he was a powerhouse. In the midst of his gentleness, we're talking about the creator of the world. We're talking about the one who spoke us into being. So I don't think we need to equate weak or passive to our gentle God. And we'll see that as we uncover these passages and as we pull back the pages. And so the big idea this morning is this, and I want us to be kind of focused around this idea, a spirit of gentleness reflects the heart of God. A spirit of gentleness reflects the heart of God because as we think about what it is to embody gentleness, really what we're trying to do is embody the heart of Christ. And so when we take on a spirit of gentleness, it allows us to reflect the heart of God. And so I don't know about you, but I want to be somebody who reflects the heart of God in everything that I do. 
and I know that I struggle in that and I falter in that, but that's the process of sanctification working itself out in me as I'm in this process of being made more like Christ. And so my prayer is that we would search and seek to have a spirit of gentleness that reflects this heart of God. And in the midst of all of this that's going on, I can't help but think that this world has been consumed with the opposite of this right now. The, the world has been pushed and seen so much of the opposite of, of the spirit of gentleness, the, the opposite of the heart of God. And the truth and the reality is, is that when sin is given full birth, what it does is it creates harshness and it creates violence and it creates anger. And when we don't embrace the heart of God, our sinful tendencies start to come out. And I can't help but think of George Floyd and the situation that has happened to him and how his life was taken from him. In the midst of all of this, sin is to blame Racism and injustice, these things are part of this sinful attitude that says, why should we be gentle with one another? Why should we reflect the heart of Christ? And at the heart of it, there's a heart of sinfulness. There's a heart of harshness and violence. When really what we need is more of Jesus Christ. We need more of a heart that reflects who God is. And so I want to look at four different areas of our life that God has called us to, that he's called us to be gentle in. And I think he very poignantly points out in his word that we are meant to be a people that are gentle in every area of our life. And so as we seek to be people who reflect God, not only outwardly, but also inwardly, because just like we talked about last week, we can be obedient outwardly, but God has not only called us to be obedient outwardly, he has called us to be inwardly obedient. And God does not only call us to be gentle outwardly, but he's called us to gentleness inwardly so that our hearts can be shaped and molded by who Christ has called us to be both outwardly and inwardly to a watching world and inwardly to an intimate God. And so as we strive to be more like him, my goal, my heart, is that we would find our direction and our, our, our sanctification and our, this process in Christ. So if it's true that a spirit of gentleness reflects the heart of God, then I want to have a spirit of gentleness in evangelism. I want that to be my heart. And I think it's interesting that Peter, who writes to us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 through 18, this is the same Peter that when the people came to take Jesus away in the, in the, the Garden of Gethsemane, this is the same Peter that draws his sword and goes to strike and cuts off the ear of the priest's servant. And Jesus is the one who stops him and says, no, this is not, this is not what I've taught you to do. Put away your sword. And he heals the man's ear. 
This very same Peter has learned a lesson. He's seen the life of Jesus. He's seen him go to the cross. He has seen and been a part of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit rushing upon him. And now he has a new outlook on life. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, he says, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who speaks. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this, and I think we miss this, right? We want to be people who have an answer ready for the hope that we have. But do this with gentleness and respect. With gentleness and respect. Why do we do this with gentleness and respect? Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. The reality is that as we look to model our life after Christ, we want to be a people who reflect him. And the way that we do this with the people around us is yes, to be ready with an answer when they come to us and say, why is it that you act differently? Why is it that you talk about this Jesus? Why is it that you serve in this way? Well, let me tell you about the hope that I have. Let me tell you about Jesus. I don't want to hear about that Jesus thing. I, I don't believe in that. You know, I, I've tried that. I don't believe in that junk. Whoa, wait a second. Are you challenging my faith? All right, well, now it's on. Now I'm going to win the art. Now I do whatever I got to do. And sadly, that tends to be how Christians react. When in all honesty, Peter the one who drew the sword has learned from our father. And he says, with all gentleness and respect, that doesn't mean you have to roll over, but it means that we can love people in kind tenderness as we speak truth to them, urging them to give their lives over to the one who can save them. Why? Because we want to reflect the heart of God. We can't be more concerned with just winning. Because at the end of the day, the one that we're trying to reflect is the one that has the end say. And just so you know, Christian, I want you to, I want you to listen here. You have job security. You have job security. Your job is always going to be before you to go out and to be a representation for Christ. But even furthermore, you have purpose security. No matter what happens to you, no matter what trials you face, no matter what people say to you, your purpose to glorify God and to represent God will not change. And so in the midst of struggle, in the midst of strife, in the midst of speaking truth, we also have a responsibility to do it with gentleness and respect, knowing that our Father will take care of us. These verses following 
are important. Keep a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Not so that you walk home and you think, man, maybe I need to apologize. I spoke, I spoke maliciously. I spoke slanderously. I did things out of anger and, and I did things harshly. But so that you can walk away and say, man, I, w- I tried my best to be respectful and gentle and loving and tender and kind the way that my father has taught me to be. We're gonna look at the life of Jesus a little bit later, but if you think about it, if you process through it a little bit, you understand Jesus was not the guy going around you know, arguing with everybody, making the fight, being this big giant person. He was the one that came in the form of a baby. He was the one that grew up in a poor carpenter's house. He was the one that started his ministry quietly. He was the one who called his disciples by saying, come follow me. And so In doing that, he taught us what it meant to be gentle, humble people. So as Peter speaks a word of gentleness into a world of stubborn, violent believers, as to subdue our hearts and to help us surrender to the sovereignty of God, I think it's poignant that he says, do this with gentleness and respect. And I think it's even more beautiful that God had shifted and changed his heart at this moment to be able to speak these words of truth. So as we seek to have a spirit of gentleness that reflects the heart of God, number two is this, a spirit of gentleness that reflects the heart of God should be a spirit of gentleness in the church. Because the reality is this is not just how we interact with the world outside the church. This is a reality of how we interact with the world inside the church as well. And I wish, I pray that people in the church always look different. But sadly, we all suffer from the same sin problem and we're all still in that process of sanctification. And so we struggle and we strive against each other as well. In Ephesians chapter four, verses one through three, Paul addresses the church and he says this, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And I love how he he makes this clear. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. Not, you know what, if you're feeling this, this strife between you and another brother, like, you know, try to make it work. You know, you should probably apologize. Make every effort possible to keep the unity of the spirit in peace. Why make every effort possible? Why? Because you are a reflection of who God has created you to be and you should be reflecting the heart of God as a believer. You have the spirit within you. So it's not okay to walk away from an argument and say, you know what? I'm done. I don't want anything to do with that person. Not in the church. 
It is our job, it is our goal to make every effort to create peace so that we represent God well in everything that we say and do. But the reality is, how often do we give a quick, harsh answer when a gentle one will do to a brother or sister in Christ? How often do we harshly react when a gentle reaction will suffice? And here's the thing. It does not say you will get along on every, uh, on every facet of life. It doesn't say that everything will be in perfect harmony and agreement. But to deal with one another gently and humbly draws us into a relationship of respect and love. It draws us to a place of humility that says, man, maybe, just maybe, I'm not right here. And when we interact with brothers and sisters in Christ and we have this unity of the spirit, we allow God to unify us instead of our motives or our desires. We often forget that to be gentle doesn't mean that just you roll over and to be passive. And I think honestly, even as I started to think about this topic, that was a lot of what I wrestled with. Well, gentle, I feel it comes off as just passive. But we constantly need to be reminded that gentle does not equal passive. Gentle is often a trait of strength. It's a trait of self-control. It's a trait of trust that we're saying, God, I am going to trust that if I reflect your heart, that you will handle things on your end. And I can trust that how I react to people, if I do things according to your will, you will handle things on your end to change hearts. I don't need to be in charge. I don't need to be the one that's leading and guiding the fight. You will do that. To be gentle is to hold your tongue even if you don't get your point across. When we bear with one, another bur- one another's burdens, when we come alongside and we fight for one another, when we seek to see the best in one another instead of the worst, we start to reflect the heart of God that sees a people that he has created and that he loves and that he sent his only son to redeem, to come back into relationship with him. A spirit of gentleness in the church is only a reflection of the father for whom the church has gathered. And the more that we reflect the father, the more we represent church to the best of our abilities. And so third, a spirit of gentleness reflects the heart of God when we have a spirit of gentleness in relationships. As a, as a person who wants to be more like Christ and as followers of Jesus that want to be more like Christ, the reality is that relationships consume the vast majority of our lives. And I'm talking about marriage relationships, fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, friendships, employers, employees. As we go out and we interact with people that we know, there are so many different relationships that we could speak into. 
And I love how Proverbs gives a, a timely word. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And I can't help but think how often we let our tongue speak foolishly when the Lord has called us to gentleness. How often we let our selfishness take control and demand things when a gentle word is what we need. God's word says that when we speak harshly, when we speak violently, the tongue can be a spark that sets a, a blaze to a forest. And I don't think that that's honestly usually the intent, but sometimes when we lack self-control and we don't strive for gentleness in the way that we speak, we drive people away from a humble answer and we drive them towards anger. And if you're anything like me, you've been in relationships and you've been with friends, you've been with family, and I'm gonna let you in on a little secret if you don't know it, your tone matters. I don't know if anybody's ever been in an argument before uh, or ever been in a discussion as we like to call them, maybe with a spouse or a loved one, and it's come out that our tone has not been very kind. And we say, well, I, what, what does it matter what my tone is? It's, it's about what I'm saying, right? No, when we speak gently and kindly and tenderly, it can make all the difference. We can hear difficult truths when the tone is gentle and reflects the heart of God. And so as we think what it is to be in a marriage, a friendship, a family at work, relationships in all of these areas suffer if we don't understand the calling to live as Christ has called us to in gentleness. If we can't understand what it is to have a gentle answer that will turn away wrath, but to have one that stirs up anger instead, we're not reflecting the heart of Christ. And here's the thing. The reality is none of us want to be the target of a harsh word. None of us want to be, I would even say, in a relationship with somebody who acts and reflects those things. I was thinking about this. I, I mean, I don't have very many friends who are constantly yelling at me, who are constantly harsh or violent with me or angry with me, because I don't want to be the target of somebody who is harsh and angry and violent. And not many people do. You don't put yourselves into those relationships. There may be times when you are in those relationships out of not having a choice, but you don't usually put yourself in that line. But rather, we put ourselves in relationships where people are kind and gentle and loving because we want to be the target of gentleness and kindness and love. And so if we want to be people that reflect the heart of God. And we want to be people who pe others look at and say, man, why do you look different? Why do you reflect this kind of personality instead of this kind of personality? Well, it's not because I took a personality test and discovered something about myself. It was because God changed me. He gave me a new life. 
He gave me a new motive. He gave me a new purpose to reflect Christ and to be more like him. And so every day when I wake up, my job is to reflect Christ in everything that I do, in the way that I speak, in the actions that I take, in the place where I work and the people I interact with. I want to have a spirit that reflects Christ. I was thinking about this and years ago when I started out in ministry, I worked at a, at a church and there was a, a pastor that I worked under. I was an intern at this church and I worked about 20 hours a week while I was still in school and I uh, was a part of this youth ministry. And so I sat in the back at times and I, uh, the, the pastor was up teaching uh, a group of maybe a hundred students and I was sitting in the back and there was this group of boys that just kept on talking and talking and talking. And I would go up to them and, hey guys, can you be quiet? Can you listen to John? Hey, just, just try to listen up, okay guys? Okay, thanks. And two minutes later, they're just talking full voice. I'm like, all right, hey guys, guys, can you just listen up? Thanks, thanks, all right. And they start talking. I'm like, oh my goodness, what is it gonna take, right? And so I come back up and I'm like, hey guys, I wanna talk to you out in the hall. Well, now they know they're in trouble, right? And so I bring them out into the hallway and I just lay into them. You guys are disrespectful. I can't believe you would do this. John is trying to teach you. He's pouring out into you and you are just blatantly disregarding him. And I laid into him. And John was actually just finishing up. And so as I'm out there in the hallway and I'm, I'm talking to them, he comes out and he kind of pokes his head around the corner and, and he hears me and he kind of listens and I didn't say anything that was like brutal or attacking of their character, but I definitely was like, I, I wanted to make them understand that I was dominating this moment and that I was in charge and that this was not gonna happen again. And, and John came up to me afterwards. He's like, hey, what was going on? What's, what's happening? And I, I let him know what happened and I was still upset. And the next day, after all this was over, John called me up and he called me into his office. He's like, hey, Mark, let's talk. And I come in and he said, hey, you know, yesterday when you were talking to those boys, he said, you know, you kind of really laid into them kind of harshly. And I wanted to justify myself. And, and as John spoke to me, he spoke very gently and kindly and he spoke to me in such a manner where he gave me some pretty hard truth. It was like, you know what? That wasn't very loving. That wasn't very kind. And honestly, you don't know where those boys are coming from. You don't know what was going through their hearts or their minds as they walked in that place. And, and you probably could have handled it differently. And John spoke some pretty hard truths to me in a very gentle and kind and tender way. And I wish... I wish I could say that I walked out of there repentant and kind of like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. Let me go. I kind of walked out of there like, I don't know if he knows what he's talking about. I still had this pride, this arrogance about me of like, yeah, but these boys need to hear it. And honestly, it wasn't until probably many years later that I looked back on that situation and it was like, man, I was so dense. It just, it just went over my head that in that moment, I could have handled it a hundred different ways. 
I did not need to be domineering. I did not need to raise my voice in order to assert authority. And what John did when he brought me into his office and when he spoke kindly to me and gently to me, he did not assert his authority, but he spoke with authority. And it was just one of those reminders that I think even in the business world, we start to interact like the world around us. Well, this is business. I'm not at church, so I need to dominate and I need to assert my authority, right? I need to make sure that people know who's boss in this place. Well, yeah, I can, I mean, I can shake everybody's hand and smile at church, but in this place, I'm boss. And I think in those kinds of situations, we miss the point of who God has called us to be in our whole lives, not just in one place, but in our whole lives. Husbands and wives, man, I, I don't know if you understand this, but in the midst of all this quarantine, there has been tragedy that has happened. I've heard from police officers that 90% of their calls right now are domestic violence and disputes. Why? Because our world does not thrive to be more like Christ. Our world thrives to domineer and to assert their authority by raising their voice and getting harsh and getting angry and violent. This is not who Christ has called us to be. It breaks my heart to hear these kinds of reports. To think about the fact that we run from gentleness at times. But in our immaturity, in our failures, in our struggles, we seek to be God and we seek to be dominant. But in the reality, a spirit of gentleness that reflects the heart of God looks like Jesus. It looks like Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, verses 29 and 30. Jesus calls us to a whole different heart. He calls us to a whole different nature. Ultimately, he calls us to be like him. And he says, follow me. And it's interesting as we, as we read this passage, Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So many of us are striving. We're fighting day in and day out. And Christ says, stop, stop fighting. Stop striving. Just follow me. Learn from me. I want to give you a gentle, humble heart that reflects me. And so as we seek to be more like Christ, we need more of who he is. We need to embody his character and his nature. When we look at our Savior, when we look at the way that he has drawn us in, God has all the power. If you haven't figured that out yet, God has all of the power. 
He could come to this world in domineering fashion. And I believe one day he will come back again. He will come back again riding on the white horse and he will come with armies of angels. But he chose to come as a child, helpless. He, he chose to come in poor, without influence. And he called with a still, small voice. He called us to something bigger. And in Romans 2, 4, it says, God's kindness, God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. When God is kind, when he's gentle, when he loves us and he is tender, it's meant to lead us into Repentance. It's meant to lead us to this point where we repent and we turn away from our sin and we go back and we come into the presence of the Lord for refreshment. When we come to a point where our minds and our hearts need to be renewed and we want to be transformed, we run to God's word, we run to him in prayer and we say, God, shape my heart to be more like yours. We've seen the destruction of a sinful world. We've seen the destruction of a sinful nation and state and city. We need more Christ. We need more people who are willing to repent and say, I need to be more like Jesus. We need a new life. So the question is this. Do you desire a spirit of gentleness? And even as I ask that question, I think the easy answer is, well, yes, sure. But this, the second question is, are you willing to go through the sanctification that it takes to get there? Are you willing to let God strip you down of the violence and the harshness and the anger that so easily takes precedence? Are you willing to do what it takes to become somebody who reflects the spirit and heart of God? Are you willing to say, let me be second and let me put Christ first? Because I think it's easy to give a quick response and to say, yes, I want to be more like Christ as long as it fits into my comforts and as long as it fits into my goals. It's a lot more difficult to say, I need to be more like Christ and therefore I need to repent. And I need to say, I'm sorry. And I need to ask forgiveness. We can't be so naive as to think that there's not people in this room, there's not people in your house, in your sphere of influence that maybe we all haven't been harsh with, that we all haven't lacked a tone of gentleness, a spirit of kindness and tenderness. We all need to be in a place of repentance. The good news is that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ today, he has forgiven you of your sins and you are a part of his family. But sometimes we need to take it a step further and be reminded 
That God still asks us to come to him and repent of our sin. That we should still be broken over our sin. And that we can come and be reminded of the newness and freshness of life that God offers when he forgives us and said, yes, come be refreshed in my arms and move forward with your head held high knowing that I, I, wanna, I wanna help you and serve you as you strive to be more like me. Why? Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I want you to learn from me to be gentle and humble. So Andy is gonna come back up and he's gonna actually lead us in a time as we sing we're gonna sing a song called The Blessing and I asked Andy to, to play this song because I, I wanted us to be reminded of who God is and why we serve him. It's because of the blessing that he has poured out on us and it's because we wanna leave a legacy that reflects Christ. We want to leave a legacy that says, I want to be more and more like Jesus every day so that the people around me see somebody who reflects the heart of God. And as I speak gently, as I interact tenderly, as I want to serve graciously, my hope is that people would come into relationship with Jesus. And so as we sing, maybe you just need to sing these words, but maybe you need to be silent and ask God to show you what's next. Ask God to strip you of something that will draw you into a spirit and heart of gentleness. So we're going to take a moment and we're going to praise God together. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.